Welcome, 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 everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to NPL Legal Dish. This is my Monday through Wednesday live broadcast where I teach business and legal concepts doing um, business and legal concepts using pop culture and celebrity news. Hold on a second. Trista said crazy had a Karen running. <laughs> Uh, this is celebrity news. Uh, if you're wondering who I am, I'm Natalie Pierre Lewis. Uh, I, I'm sorry. My, my guests, like people watching the show, they are cracking me up. I'm the host of the show and I'm the owner and operator of NPL Consulting LLC, a business formation firm. What that means is, uh, I help you get your business paperwork together. So things like registering your business with the state, getting your EIN numbers and DUNS numbers, making sure you have contract templates, brand protection strategies, uh, also um, hiring and training uh, training strategies, all right? I help you do all of these things to set up a strong foundation for your business so you can grow with confidence. If you are wondering why I'm qualified to help you do all of these things, I'm very happy that you asked. I am a licensed attorney. I have been one for 14 years and counting. I have started multiple businesses for myself and others, both online and offline. I've had many careers in the realms of entrepreneurship, the law, education, hospitality, and administrative support and most important, I'm very passionate about making business and legal education as accessible to everyone as possible. Not everybody has the time, the money, or the desire to go to business school or to law school, but a lot of you have amazing business ideas, and if you're going to be successful, there are just some things you need to know. There's no way around that, okay? So that's why I'm here. That's... um that's what I'm here for um, to help you with, all right? So if you're in the startup phase of your business or, you know, you're thinking about starting a business but you don't even know where to start, you know, even at the very tip top or if you've been in business for a little while but you feel like you need a little bit more structure, you need to go to Linktree forward slash NPL Consulting Firm so we can connect, all right? At Linktree forward slash NPL Consulting Firm, that uh, you can book a free 15-minute consultation if you're a first-time client. You can download the free Biz Launch Cheat Sheet that will help you choose and start your dream business in seven days or less. You'll be able to, uh, excuse me, a book, uh, your one-on-one uh, business formation strategy sessions. And also I have talk to me Tuesdays where you can get a 25 minute session with me for $25. So there are many ways to connect with me at Linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm at that same address, Linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel and the podcast so that if you ever miss a live show, you can rewatch it or listen to it at your leisure at Linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm. It's also where you're going to, to be able to purchase your NPL legal dish merch, our mugs and our teas. We've got them in Navy blue, black and white. Y'all saw me with the white one last night. Um, y'all see me with, if you check the other videos, you've seen the black ones. Get your t-shirts before they're done, okay? Because they going like hotcakes. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that is what I do. But uh, let's get into the reason why we are here tonight, okay? If this is your first time attending the show, or just to remind you, maybe you forgot, all right, this is how the show works uh, this year, okay? So we start off with what we I call an NPL nugget, where I um, give you a quick lesson on a business or a legal concept that I think that is important for you to know as a business owner. After that, we get into our stories. Now, these are stories that I have got from blog sites, from, you know, news sources, from any, from you guys, you guys send me in stories all the time, I love it, hi Black Georgia Peach One, hey doll, um, you know, and I take the stories that have lessons that we can learn as business owners, and we discuss them, okay, so this is a time for you to be involved, don't be shy, ask questions and give your comments as long as they are 
uh, respectful. Okay. Um, so tonight we've, we've, we've got a good amount of things to do before we get into content. I do want to give you a couple of announcements. So what are my announcements? I feel like I had one. Um, you know what? No, I don't really have any announcements. Uh, but if you, if you follow the podcast, there is a very special broadcast coming out this Friday. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's get into our NPL nugget of the day. So guys, can anybody tell me what have we been talking about all month long for the month of January? Who can tell me what aspect of business formation we have been focusing on, all right? And I'll even give you a clue. It starts with a B. What have what have I been focusing on all month trying to teach you guys about? Somebody let me know. Hey, hey. Oh, hey, hey, uh-uh. <laughs> if you don't know, just say I don't know in the comments so that I can, you know, gauge um, what's happening. Can anybody tell me what we've been focusing on for the entire month of January? Yes, Tanya, thank you. Business entities. We have been focusing on business entities, right? Meaning your LLCs, your sole proprietorships, your corporations, things like that. So we have been, um, business entities, Trista, we're talking about, we've been talking about business entities. So remember, we defined business entities. We defined limited limited and unlimited liability companies. We defined sole proprietorships. We defined partnerships. We defined what an LLC was. We talked about what an LLC was. Yesterday, we talked about C-Corps. So today, we are talking about S-Corps, all right? So um, here's what you need to know about S-Corps in a nutshell. So S-Corps are more expensive to set up than a uh, regular C-Corp. The S-Corp is controlled by subchapter S of the IRS code. And uh, every, thank you, Tanya, and every state handles S-Corps differently. So I live in Maryland and Tanya lives in North Carolina, so the way that they run S-Corps in Maryland is probably different from the, a little different from the way they, they run them in North Carolina, right? Um, now, here are some of the advantages of an S-Corp, uh, or I should say the one major advantage of the S-Corp is that you only get taxed once. If you remember from yesterday, we, t- we said that C-Corps get taxed twice. Um, I'm not going to go into the specifics of that because I am not a financial professional. I'm not an accountant. So I prefer you go to an accountant for the specifics on that. Okay. But an S corp is taxed once. Now the disadvantages of an S corp one are that, uh, it's again, it's more money to set up. Uh, you are capped at 75 investors. So with a C-Corp, you can have unlimited investors from anywhere. But with an S-Corp, you can only have 75 investors and they all have to be United States citizens. As well, S-Corps only issue common stocks, so it can be hard to get investors because they're not guaranteed a payout, okay? And some well-known S-Corps are McDonald's, S Exxon and Visa. All right. So that is our NPL nugget for the evening. We just defined and talked about S corps. If you want more information on that or the other uh, five kinds of business entities, 
Make sure that you pick up my business entities ebook. It is only $9.97. You can pick it up in my e-store. Go to linktree forward slash MPL consulting firm. It is literally the top button. All right. Okay. Let's get into our stories. Do we have any anime fans here? Um, yeah. Uh, oh, Tristan, oh, Tristan, you knew what I was talking about. Okay. Do we have any anime fans here? If you are an anime fan or a manga fan, um, give me, or I should say a manga fan. Yeah. Please, uh, I don't know. Give me a Japanese flag in, in, in the comments. Does it have to be from Japan to be a manga? I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, if you like manga, just say yes. Just give me some type of indication if you like manga or anime. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I kind of cursory like anime. There's not one that I'm very into, but you know, if it's on, I'll definitely watch, but you know, I, I, I'm not like a hardcore anime or a manga fan. All right. Nobody's a manga fan. Okay. That's cool. But you might know somebody in your life who's into, you know, manga and anime. Uh, so there is a manga publisher. You don't know them. Okay. Um, now a manga is, it's basically, um, a comic book, but done in an anime style. So, all right. Okay. All right. So it's basically a comic book. Anyway, there is a, um, manga publisher called Shu Aisha, right? Um, and they had apparently, or people thought that they had been taking down posts and accounts from Twitter fans, uh, Twitter, anybody who posted fan art gifts or even like cosplay from, uh, their, their publications, specifically one called one piece and another one called Dragon Ball Super. Does anybody know Dragon Ball Super or, or one piece? Anybody know about those? Anyway. If, uh, it, apparently, uh, anybody who posted pictures or any type of media based on these two, uh, manga, they got their, uh, Twitter accounts locked and some of their posts deleted, right? So everybody was saying, what's the deal? You know, we're fans of this, um, publication. We're just trying to show love. What's going on, Shu Ashia? Um, apparently it wasn't the, the manga publisher that was issuing these copyright takedowns because that's how they were getting these things shut down. Somebody was submitting copyright claims against these photos and getting these accounts locked or the posts deleted. So everybody was like, what's the problem? We're out here trying to support. So Shu and Shia, they did some investigation and they're like, uh, that's not us. We did not ever initiate any copyright claims against you guys. You know, y'all are the reason why we have, why we have a business. So why would we do that to you? Apparently it was a random YouTuber, um, who was sending in false claims to Twitter. Now, why did I tell you this story? One, when you are, if you ever want to, um, submit some type of intellectual property claim, right? You, uh, you have to be the owner of the intellectual property claim. So for like, um, so in this situation, if the, the manga publisher Shueshia really didn't like people posting pictures, they themselves would have to go to the social media platform and say, Hey, take this down. It is not up to a third party to go to anybody to say, Hey, I want to issue a takedown on behalf of 
this company. You have to go yourself. Like, so if you're an, you know, on Etsy, there's lots of people selling counterfeit items. Um, in order for, when those stores get um, taken down, understand that it is the company them, the, itself that has reached out to Etsy and said, hey, they're violating our intellectual property, okay? So only the owner of the intellectual property, only the owner of the copyright or the trademark can submit a claim, you know, to uh, to get something taken down. And if you are not the, co- the intellectual property owner, if you don't own the copyright and you don't own the trademark and you're sending in these, uh, these claims, that is legal fraud and you can get into a lot of trouble, okay? So uh, I don't know what's going to happen to this YouTuber, but I wouldn't be surprised if they shut their channel down. Um, but yeah. Um, so, uh, manga fans, don't be mad at Shu Ashia, okay? All right. Now, I want to, our next story is a little bit detailed, and I want there to be a discussion, because I feel like there's a political component to this, and you know, while we're here to learn business and legal concepts, we have learned many times that those can be wrapped up in, in, you know, the political landscape and and just our society in general. So I, I want to talk to you guys about this case. Um, has anybody heard of Northwestern University of Chicago? If you have, please give me an N in the comments. If you have heard of Northwestern University in Chicago, please give me an N in the cons in in the comments. And if you have ever heard of Kings County, uh. In Seattle, uh, or in, in the state of Washington, uh, or King County, give me a K. Tanya gave me an N. Okay, so you've heard of Northwestern. Awesome. If you've heard of King County, located in the state of Washington, Seattle, give me a K. Thank you, Trista, for the N. Okay? Um, what do these, uh, now, North uh, again, Northwestern's in Chicago, and King County is in the state of Washington. What do these two things have to do with each other? So apparently, um, King County in Seattle recently completed construction on a $242 million juvenile jail, okay? So they built a jail for children, uh, and they named it the uh, Pat- Patricia H. Clark Children and Family Justice Center, and they gave it the uh, the abbreviation CFJC, so the Children and Family Justice Center, right? And they just finished completing this uh, juvenile jail last year. Now, here's the issue. Northwestern University, since 1992, they have operated something that they call the Children and Family Justice Center um, at their Bloom Legal Clinic. Now, the one thing with King County, their uh, Children's and Family Ju- um, Justice Center, they have the jail in there, they have the cor- the, the, cor- the juvenile courts in there as well as different services, whereas Northwestern University's Children and Family Justice Center is focused on getting 
um, children, you know, youth out of the legal system, those who might already be in trouble and focusing on getting them out of the legal system, right? Now, again, Northwestern has been running this legal clinic since 1992. And when they found out that King County was building a juvenile jail and was trying to name it the same thing that they named their legal clinic, they sent them warnings. They sent one in 2016 and they sent one in 2019. And King County, they ignored it. They kept going forward with, uh, you know, the construction and they finished building this juvenile jail, right? So when King County unveiled the juvenile jail that was, uh, the, 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 that was called the Children and Family Justice Center, Northwestern filed a trademark infringement suit against King County, right? And, uh, King County said, uh, asked for the case to be dismissed because one, they said, uh, Northwestern did not have a registered trademark for the name Children and Family Justice Center. And two, their other argument was, we're the government, so we're not bound by intellectual property law. Now, what have I always told you guys about intellectual property law? What do I always tell you about intellectual property law? Who does it affect? Who who is who is anybody above intellectual property law? At least in the United States, is anybody above intellectual property law? I want to know what your answers are. All right, and while you do that, let me continue with the story a little bit. Now, to King County's credit, Northwestern does not have a registered trademark for Children and Family Justice Center. However, thank you, Margaret Massey. Yes, thank you, Trista. Y'all been listening. Thank you, Tanya, right? Now, while Northwestern does not have a registered trademark for Children and Family Justice Center, they have been operating since 1992. So they've been in business for to almost what to, to, to almost 20 years um yes trista that's exactly why trump got sued all right Woo. he leaving tomorrow y'all last day hallelujah all right um but i digress Anyway, uh, now Northwestern doesn't have a registered trademark. However, Northwestern has been operating, hi DMV Shrooms, has been operating uh, this Children and Family Justice Center since 1992. So 20, so for 28 years, they've been operating. They're a well-known legal clinic, right? And not only that, they sent multiple warnings to, um, to King County, letting them know, Hey y'all, we have a, we have a legal clinic here that's named literally the same thing. So I want now the judge threw out King County's motion to dismiss. The judge is like, "Look, there's some funny stuff going on here, and I at least want to hear the details." So we're coming back to, to hear this case. So the case is still ongoing. But I want to know from you guys, why do you think it King County? continue to go forward with naming their juvenile jail the Children and Family Justice Center when they got not one, but two notifications from a a legal clinic across the country that had been operating for almost 30 years that they were, you know, that they were kind of stepping on their toes. Why do you think they went ahead and went with that name? Um, 
Trista Bradford said they have leverage as an established entity. Yes, Trista, uh, Northwestern does have leverage as an established entity. That's not, um, now, that's not, if, if, you know, if you just came out last year, that's a little too, you know, a little too light. But if you've been in the, in the game almost 30 years, you've gained, you know, you put some respect on your business name, right? So why do we think King County wanted to go ahead and name their juvenile jail? The, cent- the Center for um, the Children and Family Justice Center, right? You know that you're, you're basically polar opposites with the legal clinic at Northwestern. This, uh, uh, the, 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 the King County Children and Family um, Justice Center is literally a prison for children. The um, Northwestern's Children and Family Justice Center is trying to get kids out of the prison pipeline, right? So why do you think King County went ahead with the name? Margaret Massey said they think the government has exemptions. That, uh, that too, that's one of the arguments that they made. But I also think it's a political one. I think it's one of marketing. It's like, you know that this legal clinic has been here 30 years. And when people think of it, they think of an institution that's here to help them. So you want people to walk into this juvenile jail where you're housing children, where you're incarcerating children and make them feel like it's a place that's, you know, on their side. I think it was a ploy for them to maybe have people kind of have a um, a softer view towards the fact that it is a prison for children. But that's my opinion. What do you guys think about that? Do you think they were trying to do it to, you know, maybe um, some uh, to, to maybe build off of the clout of this children and family justice center that was already set up? That's my that's my feeling. But you are free to disagree with me if you want. Why do you guys think they went ahead when Northwestern said to them twice, our legal clinic is this exact same name? And I think, Margaret, I think you're, you're, you're right. The government does think they, that that government county did think they have exemptions. But I, don't, I just don't think that that was the only re- uh, reason. I think there was some, you know, some systemic, frankly, systemic racism happening. There was, you know, instant clout cha- clout building remember i've always told you guys do not try and build your brand on somebody else's back okay margaret likes her answer absolutely dog and you are, you are welcome to that and i'm sure kings county thought that you know that that you know we the government what are you gonna do uh northwestern university you can't fight the government but i also think that it was a political decision okay um but yeah, but that that's my thoughts on it. You know, sometimes I be getting on my soapbox, but don't mind me. All right, uh, so we are going to move on to our next story. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys. Um, okay, hold on. Trista said yes, because when Google... When we Google, we all know what in, what info is going to show. Right. If you if you Google the Children and Family Justice Center, what if you get the wrong one, right? Um yeah, but uh, good luck to them. All right, moving on. Uh, before we move on to our next story, you are watching NPL Legal Dish. This is my Monday through Wednesday live broadcast where I teach business and legal concepts using pop culture and celebrity news. If you are in the startup phase of your business and you need some legal guidance, 
I'm your girl. Go to Linktree forward slash NPL Consulting Firm and set yourself up a 15 minute consultation. Okay. As well, make sure that you go there and download the free biz launch cheat sheet that will help you choose and start your dream business in seven days or less. And last but not least, make sure you get your NPL legal dish merch. Make sure you get your mugs. Make sure you get your t-shirts. All right. Uh, for they all gone. All right. Commercial break over. <laughs> Moving on to our next story. So this is less of a story and more of just an FYI. Now, I know that I have some amazing uh, businesses that are watching here that are that are, that are being birthed at the moment, and you know your stuff is going to go worldwide, and you're going to need to protect your brand. Uh, you know when you're out there, when you're when you're going to Europe, and when you're going to Australia, and when you're going to Africa, right? Um, so while we have, you know, trademarks in the U S did you know that there are international trademarks? Um, there is something called the Madrid protocol that kind of helps you establish your brand worldwide. And while that sounds all well and dandy, I wanted to let you guys know what it costs to trademark your stuff internationally. Now, if you are trying to do an international trademark, under the Madrid protocol, understand that there is an initial fee of $740, okay? Then, depending on how many um, individual countries you're going to be, you know, applying for this uh, Madrid protocol trademark in, your fees are going to be another $100 to $850. And then on top of that, you're going to have legal fees of about $950. So, in so to trademark your stuff internationally it's going to cost you probably about 2 2 to 3000 dollars that's not that bad let me see 15 9 no that's going to cost you about 2500 dollars which isn't that bad right uh but if you're doing multiple countries let's say you're trying to do five countries and each of their fees is 500 dollars that could really rack up the dollars for your international trademark. Now, that's if you're doing it under the Madrid protocol so you can kind of get a blanket uh, trademark. Now, if you're doing, um, you know, individual trademark applications throughout the world, uh, it's going to cost you about $1,500 to $2,500, okay? So just to let you know, if you are ever interested in, um, you know, getting your brand worldwide and you're trying to secure that brand worldwide, you are going to have to come up with some change, okay? All right. Um, ooh, my papers are falling, y'all. Y'all still with me? If you're still with me, please give me a star in the um, comments. If you are still with me, please give me a star in the comments, okay? All right. Sorry, y'all. I got real thirsty. Okay. Um, All right. Our last story of the evening. If you have heard of the company 3M... Give me a three, give, put three M in the, um, in, in the, in the comments. Margaret Massey has a question. Uh, thank you, AP Jackson for the star. Margaret said, speaking of trademarks, so if for instance, I bling out a pair of Nikes that I bought, is that trademark infringement or is it infringement when I just put the swoosh on a cup and call it Mikey's cups? Now, if you like, if you are, thank you, Tanya for the stars. If you are decorating an item, if you sell, you know, 
uh, custom or you bling out something that's already trademarked, as long as you let people know this is an altered item, it is not direct from, you know, the manufacturer, that kind of gives you some leeway. If y'all remember when I covered that Cash Doll story, because Cash Doll, she had the Louis Vuitton mask with the Louis Vuitton, um, bulletproof vest and the Louis Vuitton, uh, rifle. That was not a, that was, that was not Louis Vuitton, um, merchandise, that was not something that you could pick up at the Louis Vuitton store, she got that custom made, so if you're saying, you know, I customize, you know, not Nike products, that's different, because the people aren't purchasing it from you because it's Nike, they're purchasing it because you're customizing it, okay, Trista, what's that, oh, three, okay, thank you, thank you, AP Jackson, thank you, Trista, right, so I hope that answers your question, Margaret, okay, So if you're putting the swoosh on it, yes, that is definitely infringement. But if you're taking the shoe and you're just kind of like, you know, painting it and putting some rhinestones on it and making it pretty, that's not, as long as you let people know, this is not a, um, this is not a, you know, because essentially it's not a Nike product anymore, you know, that, that gives you more protection. All right. Um, okay, thank you to everybody who said they know, uh, what 3M is. Now, we know that 3M, they make a lot of, uh, medical equipment. Does anybody remember at the, you know, the start of the pandemic, I want to say March, April, we talked about 3M suing a bunch of people who were selling, uh, 3M, uh, N95 masks. If you remember that story, please give me a thumbs up. If you remember that story, give me a thumbs up. Now, to those of you who do not remember, we all know that everybody was looking for N95 masks like crazy, or, you know, around March, April, right? And people were making money left over, right? I saw people selling 10 masks for $100, craziness, right? Um, and, and people, people were just, were just being scammed. So there was, um, a company, well, multiple companies that were selling 3M masks that were not authorized distributors. Now, these masks were genuine 3M masks. They were produced by 3M. However, 3M has an authorized list of distributors. So if it doesn't come from 3M's distributors, it is no longer a 3M um a 3M product, at least from, from that is how 3M views it, right? So you had all of these uh, companies that were selling 3M masks without permission, including one company that was called Nationwide Source. They're located in Florida. They sold um, like 10,000 uh, 3M respirators to a medical facility in New Jersey and like charged them six times the normal rate or um, 10,000 and 95 masks and charge them six times the normal rate. So 3M, High Dynasty Institute, so 3M, because they are very particular about who sells their products, that you, because they, I, maybe they have, you know, maintenance, maintenance protocols or ways that you're supposed to maintain the equipment that they only teach to their, you know, designated distributors. 3M initiated trademark infringement suits against all of these companies, including Nationwide Source. Why? Because Nationwide Source was not a, um, was not an authorized distributor for 3M. Therefore, 3M could not, you know, vouch for the quality of the 3M mask because who knows what you did to it, right? So, uh, 3M, they filed the suit against these companies and, one of them, Nationwide Source, which we have been talking about, they have been ordered by um, the court 
to remove the 3M trademarks from their masks. The judge said, look, you can sell your masks, but you cannot say that they are 3M masks because you are not an authorized distributor of um, of 3M masks, okay? So this goes right along the lines with my crafters. When you see these... Um, these counterfeit goods, these knockoff goods, even like if they, if look, Nike is not selling their stuff on Etsy. If somebody's selling a customized brand name item, you know, that's one thing. But if you're just literally saying, Hey, this is a genuine Nike item, you, you know, how, how, how are we supposed to gauge that? We don't know that because Nike has their distributors. Nike does not allow people to just, you know, buy things like that, like, and they have partnerships with people, so 3M, because of their standards of quality, they're saying, look, if you're not on our authorized distributor list for these masks, these aren't 3M masks, so the, um, the judge said, take the 3M off of the masks, do you guys think that that was a, um, that that was a good compromise, do you think that was a good compromise, or should Nationwide have had to destroy all of the masks, what do you think about the judge's uh, ruling in this case? What do y'all think? Hey, hey, hey. What do you guys think? Who's that? Somebody came in who was watching before. Because I, I think this is a happy medium because, you know, we are in, we still in the pandemonium. Uh, we still need our masks, so it doesn't make sense to destroy perfectly good masks. But again, we still have to uphold intellectual property law, right? So this is a happy medium. All you just got to take the 3M off. We not you can't say that you sell 3M uh 3M equipment because you know you're not an authorized dealer. Um, Trista said, I think it was very fair. Okay, I think it was fair too. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that we, you know, we're we're in an era where masks are a necessity. They're like a fundamental. So, you know, destroying them just doesn't make sense. Okay? Um, all right. So, was that all I had for you guys today? Yes, those were the stories that I had for you guys today. We do have a few minutes, so um, we can get into Q&A if you guys would like. How do... Okay. All right. Yeah, we can get into Q&A if you guys would like. I, I did I did I turn this on right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um Trista said they could have been made to give up them profits. Right. Oh, they could have done that too, right? Because they were overcharging people. Trista Trista may have, um gave a good a good solution that they could have come up with too. They could have made them dis what's called disgorgement. They could have made them disgorge all the profits and basically, you know, they're basically selling it for 3M, but 3M getting the money. Uh, but 3M was like, no, it's not about the money. It's about our reputation. We take great pride in how our, our equipment is maintained and we don't know what they're doing with this. So we don't want them saying that they sell 3M products. Okay. All right. So, uh, if you guys have any questions, now is the time to ask while we close out. I want to remind you guys to set up your one-on-ones, go to linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm, pick up the business entities ebook. It is nine ninety seven in the e-store. Go to linktree forward slash NPL consulting firm. Um, we're going to be back here tomorrow with more stories. If you find anything that you want me to talk about, please, please, please send it my way. I love it when you guys send me guys, when you send me stories, because it lets me know that you are engaged. Um, what else? Pick up your NPL Legal Dish merch. 
make sure you tag me in it. Um, what else did I want to tell? Ooh, follow me on Clubhouse. My handle is at sweet underscore T-A-L-I-E, at sweet underscore tally. All right, uh, because as soon as I figure out this whole thing, how I'm going to broadcast on a third device, we will be going live on there. Or if you are on Clubhouse and you would like to moderate a room so you could broadcast the show, DM me, okay, because um, I need to talk to you. All right, so that is all I have for you this evening. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with more stories. Take care of yourselves. Wash your hands. Wear your masks. Uh, social distance, uh, you know, make sure that you're, you're doing things to maintain your mental health, meditate, stretch, do yoga, whatever you got to do. All right. So take care of yourselves. Good night. Trademark to prison pipeline.